Hello and welcome to That Film's Due. I'm Lou. And I'm Jason. In this episode, we've got another movie review, and this time we're looking at Wonder Woman 1984. Directed once again by Patty Jenkins, Wonder Woman 1984, or WW84, is the sequel to 2017's Wonder Woman and the ninth installment in the DC Extended Universe, based, of course, on the DC Comics character of the same name. The movie is available now in cinemas in some territories, on HBO Max in other territories, who even knows? But if you haven't checked out Wonder Woman 1984 yet and you want to, go watch it first before listening to our full review. We will be talking spoilers. Gal Gadot is back as Diana Prince Wonder Woman in the sequel set in 1984. Well, as the title suggests, Wonder Woman 1984 is unique in that after months of delays due to the COVID-19 pandemic, it was released simultaneously in theatres and digitally on the streaming service HBO Max. This is the first for a major film release as it goes against the 90-day theatrical window and is not the traditional method of distribution. Jason, you have the plot. Diana Prince, played by Gal Gadot, lives quietly among mortals in the vibrant, sleek 1980s, an era of excess driven by the pursuit of having it all. Though she has come into her full powers, she maintains a low profile by curating ancient artifacts and only performing heroic acts incognito. But soon Diana will have to muster all of her strength, wisdom and courage as she finds herself squaring off against Maxwell Lord, played by Pedro Pascal, and Barbara Minerva, played by Kristen Wiig. Oh, and there is a wish-granting rock, so Chris Pine is back as Steve Trevor, and Kristen Wiig turns into a cheater. <laughs> well done. That's, um, that's a lot. And this movie is two and a half hours long. And yes, long. <laughs> it's a long movie. That, yeah. Are you, does it feel long? Does it feel long? Let's hey, get okay, that out. Listen, listen, I... I'm a DC guy. You know this. Yeah. People yeah. listening will know this. Yeah, it's too long. It is. <laughs> it, it is too long. It's, there's a lot going on in this movie. I just... It's long. It, it really... It do you, really do is you know long. what? Like, yeah, like, it is long. But, you know, after, after not going to a cinema for, I don't know, a few months... What was the last movie we saw at the cinema was Honest Thief or whatnot? I think I didn't mind sitting in a, in a nice recli- reclining seat, eating some sliders and some chips, sipping on an alcoholic drink, watching Wonder Woman for, what is it, two and a half hours or whatnot. I was fine with it. And do you know what? Without showing too much of how I felt about this movie, I did have a good time. It's a fun movie. Yeah, so I didn't really feel the length that much, but you are right. I think rewatching it, I'd probably be like, "Yeah, damn, it's long." And it, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that I didn't enjoy it. And it's an interesting thing that you brought up there, like the experience. Now, a lot of people yeah. in the US, they're not as fortunate as us here in WA that we can still go to the movies. I mean, we don't have the option of HBO Max, so people in the US can watch it at home. You can pause it at home. You can go to the fridge, yeah. you can get a drink, you can do whatever. It, I mean, we don't need to get into that, but there's just being able to watch movies at home and especially movies of this scale, it 
it is affecting that experience, isn't it? Some people aren't going to be bothered. You and I, we like watching movies on the big screen. Me saying the movie is long, when I was watching it, I didn't necessarily feel that it was long because like you, I was excited about being back at the movies. This is a movie that has had so many delays. I mean, what, six, seven? It was ridiculous how many delays that it received. <laughs> so I was happy to be at the cinema and watching this movie. So in the moment when I was watching it, I didn't necessarily feel the length. My issue with the length, though, is looking back on it. And there's moments, there's highlights that you're going to get in most movies. And I think by having it as long as it is, it really stretches out those times between the highlights. So I think, yeah. as you say, maybe the second view viewing might be a different experience but we'll talk yeah, yeah, I think about you, highlights yeah but i think you like yeah you nailed it there like looking back it's like you realize that except for you know the opening the first like 15 20 minutes you don't see wonder woman in costume doing things kicking ass until like the third act which is like the last 40 minutes of the movie it's, Beginning, it's very much middle and end. you've got the shopping mall you've got the yep. road and then yes You've got the suit of armor. But even even that road scene is quite late in the film. There's a lot of other stuff and not actually with of much substance happening during the middle. So yeah, the pacing is a bit out of whack, but it's all good. It's all good. Well, let's get into it all. Let's start with the should we start with the title? Because I wanna I wanna kind of point out the fact that 1984 is in the title of this movie, like enough for them to make a you know, the movie to make a big deal about, you know, the setting that we're in 1984. Yet, I didn't really feel the need for this to actually be set in the 80s. No, it it was a choice. I do yeah. like, it worked so much better in that first movie, having the World War One setting. And I guess having it in the 80s, they wanted the Cold War. That's why it's there. That's it. Yeah. Doesn't I mean it's there, it, it's a thing. I mean it's set in the 80s, it opens up the jokes about fashion, you know, Chris Pine trying on all the outfits, the parachute pants, the the bum bags or fanny pants. I mean it's a reversal, earth. it's a reversal of the fish out of water thing that Diana went through oh, you in know. that first film. Yeah, yeah, it's Thor and Thor Dark World all over again, isn't it? <laughs> It worked in that first movie. Natalie Portman went to Asgard. Right. Let's uh, let's do it. Let's do it again. Um, 84. Did you see the the cinema when she was walking down the street and there was two posters? One of them was Ghostbusters and the other one was Flashdance. Two big movies from that year. And that's the extent of the pop culture, I think, um, in this movie. Pretty much. Yeah, it's I, not quite. Do you think they might have been a little bit of? They might have been cautious and been like, "Let's not, let's not just put pop culture stuff in this for the sake of it. It might be a bit too like on the nose." And it, they were just trying to be very subtle about the '80s setting. Potentially, it really yeah. works for Stranger Things, but they're kids. Yeah. So it really works on that show. Like that is so pop culture heavy. And I love that show for that. But I think with this movie, I don't think they needed to lean in it or lean in it too much. I mean, the movie posters, 
I thought they'd have done more with the music. Like, I can't really remember much of the music. To no, be I mean, was it? It is Hans Zimmer doing the score. Oh no, the that. score. No, the score is is incredible. I absolutely love the score. But I just mean like I think there's like there's music. like one eighties track that I can remember, and yeah, it's like I can't remember the movie. Uh, it was in like another eighties movie. I can't remember what it was. There's that, but you, you know, you think they'd do some cool stuff with it. You know, like, first... as much as Hans Zimmer is doing a really good job, that that road scene with the truck flipping, wouldn't you have liked to have heard some like crazy rock, 80s rock? No. Ballad, no, like, no, 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 no. You're, you're thinking, because I've recently watched like Daredevil, Electra, you know, those Marvel movies from the early 2000s. That's what yeah. they did. It's all evanescence and <laughs> I, don't, I don't need rock music. Fair think, Maybe I'm just thinking again. Thor Ragnarok. You know, they <laughs> they nailed it in one. I'm not sure if it was the first, but it was definitely an early trailer for this movie, and it was New Order, and the the right. beats and the music really fit tonally what it looked like they were going for with this movie. And then when the film happens, it's not quite there. But Hans Zimmer, the the score for this, I thought was or is fantastic. The highlight, though, th- this movie opens fantastically. We're in Themyscira, and that track on the soundtrack, the score in the movie, it's, it's brilliant. It's my favourite track from the whole score. I've listened to it beginning to end, and it's fantastic. That opening was great, and I heard that Warner Brothers wanted Patty Jenkins to not necessarily cut it, but reduce it. And I'm glad that it's there. Right. Yeah, I heard I heard that it was like between the Themyscira scene and the mall scene, it was like, yeah, they wanted her to cut one no. one or the other. And she was like, nah. The I'm two of the best both. scenes in the movie. Yeah. They they have to be there. But okay, I think yes, so music like pop music, maybe they could have done more. I don't know, maybe it's there and we'll notice it the second time around. But it didn't but I mean, look, stay I'd, with me. Overall, the, the the 80s setting, like besides having the Cold War play, you know, an element of, you know, like the president, you know, asking for more missiles and stuff like that. And we'll, we'll get to all that. Besides that, you know, like the the costumes, the set design, you know, the cars that you see, a couple like visual gags because of those things. It's, that's about it. That's the extent of this setting. And the just so we can say this is set in the past. There's no real... Yeah. This could have been set at any time. I mean, really. the first movie, it's so distinctive, isn't it? Oh, another thing they do in this movie, the planes have radar. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's not specific to the 80s, but that's something that I guess is just calling out something to Steve, that Steve Trevor. This is something that's different now, but it's not really a good example of what you were talking about. But okay, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> it just popped into my head. That was something that was mentioned to the time that they were in. But yeah, it's. I guess they had to though. They, they had to have something take place before the events of everything else because I was. I mean, going into the movie, I was wondering. I was like, "How is Wonder Woman going to be doing things like kicking ass, saving the day, and not be like known?" You know, and here I'm talking about the larger like DC universe of films here, like because she's pretty much a, a mystery by the time we do meet her. You know, in uh, Batman v Superman and all that. 
So it's like, how has she kept hidden? And I guess being set in the 80s, you know, there's no smartphones, there's no yeah. you know, accessible cameras, those sorts of things. So maybe, you they know, handled, they handled that well, the beginning of the movie especially. They handled that really well. When she's in the mall, or even before she's in the mall, when she's rescuing people, like people are just being saved. Then yeah. actually seeing what has happened, like they've just been saved. They didn't see anybody. You know what? The campiness of all of that, of her doing the super saves, the, the mall scene, like ridiculous, bright, colourful. The tone is just like, okay, this is, you know, this is uh, going back to, you know, the, the Richard Donner Superman days. But you know what? I just, I just really loved it. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, it works really well. Yeah. Um, the costume is brighter. It, it's, everything's working for me there. Again, she's in the mall, she takes out the cameras, people still really aren't seeing it. And then it's a case of people that do see her, it's almost like out of respect to her, they're not going to talk about it. There's a little mm. bit of that going on. You've got, to, you've got to buy that. There's a mall full of people. That all, that all works. But then again, like talking the larger DC side of things and we know things that happen in the future. I mean, continuity could just be out the window here. But the things that happen in this movie like there's no way that nobody remembers any of this shit going down and you know an alien coming down to earth you know in in 20 30 years time well you know being discovered 20 30 years like i'm talk, talking about superman it's like i don't think that's as big of a deal seeing as though the world almost ended because of all this crazy magic shit that happened in this yeah. movie. Like this because, wasn't an isolated because of like crazy magic ship shit ship. Because <laughs> of that, like I mentioned before, how she took out the cameras in the mall. Yeah. But later on, about two hours later, she addressed the world. Pretty much talks to every <laughs> billions Everybody, of people on the planet. Like, do they like, forget? No, they. The, the movie. <laughs> I mean, we're jumping straight to the end there, but like... No, no, we don't have to get too much into that. But it's... What I'm saying is that I, I don't know if continuity is a thing anymore with the um, with these DC films. So I'm whatever. Happy, listen, right? I, I'm happy. In fact, it's my preference, really, to have a shared continuity. I like that. That's, that's what you get from the comics. It's what Marvel yeah. have been doing so well. I like an overall continuity yeah, thing. More, I want more them to like, focus on individual yes. films Give and then me... have... A broad overview yeah. of a continuity. Yeah. I don't that don't pigeonhole yourselves. That don't be beholden to everything else. It's harder when you're setting your film before Man of Steel, because as you say, yeah. that was the initial catalyst. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Well, okay, good. Um, <laughs> I, I think, right, because we can get into Diana Prince, I think a lot of people, what they wanted from this movie was an action-packed Wonder Woman movie. And what yeah. they really get is a Diana Prince movie with some Wonder Woman action. It reminds me of Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman. You know I like to bring up that show on occasion. Of course, whenever you but can. That, but that show... <laughs> wasn't about Superman. It was Clark Kent. And of course, Lois. Right. But it was about Clark. And then maybe for a couple of minutes, maybe five, you'd get Superman. Yeah. So the focus That's a good comparison. This... I mean, I was getting... I mean, that, that comparison is like pretty much bang on. Uh, I did get a lot of like, you know, that, that classic Wonder Woman 
you know, Linda Carter TV series, the, the like the, the poses she would make, the some of the angles, the, just the the looks, the, the the camera angles and stuff like that, like the the action. It looked like the way she ran. I was like, wow, like they're really just doing Linda Carter's Wonder Woman just in this big budget, big screen movie or small screen if you. You know what? On HBO Max, that's, or illegally part of the movie. But <laughs> that's very interesting what you just said there. The scene when she's running, especially as that's going back to the road and all of that yeah. action. And you're comparing it to Wonder Woman from the small screen. Honestly, when I watched that, one, I did really enjoy it and I liked it, right? Yeah. But it reminded me of the CW TV shows. Oh yeah, which is like you're saying like is a small screen superhero show. Yeah, and maybe I gotta say, like, I did enjoy those visuals and like I did. they tickled I did. they tickled me in a in a in a weird way that I was like, oh, you know what, I like it. I, I like seeing Wonder Woman in a bright costume. You know, like slinging herself from clouds like lightning bolts in the yep. sky and you know like you can do that, that. Can fly and changing your pose yeah. and you can do running that 80s, and flipping man. over trucks that's part of it it's like why is, why is it saying 84 I mean, that works it really does it work it did look a bit jarring though it was sort of like i don't know the cgr the green screen wasn't quite right but i was like a like you said like a tv show but I like it. Yeah, you no, know, me too. Yeah, and, and yeah, I it's think, weird. Very weird. You know, we're both asking ourselves why it's set in the eighties, and I think you just keep coming back to it. I think totally just so they can be camping. And a, look at that yeah. first movie. Like, if anything, you compare it to Captain America: The First Avenger. It's wartime. You know, he's you know, you've got guns and in Captain America and the first Wonder Woman movie. Like, the action is a lot more brutal. Like, when she hits people, there's force. They're still going flying through the air, but you hear the impact. She's got a sword, a shield. Like she's out for blood. Like she's in, it's wartime. No sword and shield in this movie. She's all about yeah. the Lazarus truth. And she utilizes that in different and, and fun ways. You mentioned the flying sequences. It's, it's one of the, it, honestly, it put a smile on my face. It is <laughs> a lot of fun. And if I'm... How many poses Campbell, does she need? Man? Was, oh, <laughs> she, she does all of them. I think she goes through all four Christopher Reeves Superman movies. Like, does all of them. If I'm Henry Cavill, I'm sat at home and I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> she's, I mean... She's done it. She's, she's beat me to it. I mean, I, I was almost waiting for her to, to, at the end of the movie, give us a wink. We get that in another in a, we're not in a doing different that yet. way, which we're not we'll get doing that, that yet. Yeah, we're not that. doing that. Well, yet. I was expecting Gal Gadot to bloody be f- flying through the air and then wink at us. I was like, wow, I bet they're going to do it. They didn't. Aquaman did it. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Momoa flew out the water. Let's Post let's talk about. I, I want to talk about um, Diana's character progression because I mean, bear in mind, like this is yeah the sequel to the first Wonder Woman movie, but it's also a prequel to all the other stuff that she's featured in. Let, let's try and just address this as a sequel to Wonder Woman because everything else <laughs> is its own thing. This yeah, but is, I mean, you've got to acknowledge the fact that she has, she progresses so much in this movie that she does. it's almost like when we meet her later on in, BV, in Batman v Superman and Justice She'd League. She stopped being Wonder Woman. She's just... 
like a hundred years. Character. Clearly not true, because she was mm. out and about in '84. Tiny yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're very specific. That's right. This movie, that honestly, if I didn't know, I would swear it was a different director. That first movie. Yeah, yeah. Which is intentional. They've obviously intended to make a very different movie. Jenkins is confirmed. She's going to come back for the third and potentially final instalment, giving Wonder Woman a trilogy and any other appearances that she that she has. Can we just go back to the flying? And we're kind <laughs> yeah. of all over the place with this one, but there's a lot going on. We're trying to remember things within a two and a half hour movie. <laughs> I do like the fact, and of course, we've got to get to Steve Trevor and how he's back. We've touched on it already, but we'll talk about it properly. Wonder Woman, her power set, whether it's the comics, in TV, film, or whatever, it's never completely clear because it, it does vary. But we're going with the version of the characters that can fly because it was always a thing in the comics. Well, why she got an invisible jet if she can fly? We'll get to the jet. <laughs> which is flying what i like that they use in here and to my knowledge it's only ever been used this way is that it's because of steve that she embraces and learns how to fly i really liked that because that was something that it's a connection that she feels to him and he's all about flying he's a pilot that I liked her motivation and him saying he's just being you feel it under you and I liked that. So I liked the fact that she didn't just run, trip over a rock and tumble into the air. She actually purposely tried to fly whilst thinking about him. I liked that. I think there's even more to it. I mean, that's, that's bang on. And that's exactly where she she comes up, you know, with the, I guess like discovering like the ability to do it and what she needs to do. It's also like that, I guess like the character growth of like, you know, when she has to basically sacrifice you know, Steve Trevor, almost again, she gets her powers back and then she can even progress further because of that. It's very similar to Superman 2, Spider-Man 2. I don't know what the deal is with the sequel <laughs> movies, whether, yeah, you know, wrong. like, you know, the hero, because they, they, they want another life, they want, you know, that loved one in there. So they're making that sacrifice and they lose, you know, their powers in some different storytelling ways, but essentially it's the same thing. And then they have to learn to, I guess, give up that thing that they want the most. And then the powers come back. Yeah. The comparisons are there. Yeah. They're doing it again. They're doing it again. I guess it's just when you're writing a character so powerful, like you need to find a way to bring them back down to earth a little bit to give the bad guys a fighting chance. As it's, but you're right. Spider-Man Two, Superman Two, <laughs> so and now, how do you do it? Do it with magic. <laughs> magic, and you've got Pedro Pascal in this as a a human monkey paw. Essentially, he will <laughs> yeah, the monkey paw. He will grant your wish. But there's a catch. There's a the catch. catch. And for Diana, it was losing her powers or part of her powers. Mm-hmm. So she's not quite at full strength. And Steve comes back. And then, and let's talk about how he comes back then. Because you've so got this weird guy. thing where it's essentially another guy. And Steve's oh, soul it's... inhabits that guy. And then so Diana sleeps so, with this so, guy. So, <laughs> magic, very... 
the magic of this stone, right? It can yeah. just create things out of nothing. Missiles appear out of nothing. Yep. Like a giant wall appears out of nothing. Things, it can just create things. There's no like, okay, it needs to use real elements from the planet to make something. Why does Steve Trevor come back manifested in this random guy? Does he have a family? Does he have a job? Does he still have a job? <laughs> like, who is this guy? And did Wonder Woman do yeah. something inappropriate with this man's body? I mean, yeah, I mean, that happened. Yeah. That happened. Questions are raised. And it was that thing, was it like Quantum Leap, where, where Diana, she's like, I only see you, Steve. And that was yeah. a way for them to keep Chris Pine around. I only see you. But when he looks when in it the first mirror, happened, like Quantum Leap, he sees the other guy. When it first happened, I was like, I mean, in my mind, I was like, okay, I know what's happening, but I was still like, I have so many questions. And then you see, you know, Chris Pine standing in the mirror and I'm like, oh, wow, they've actually, yeah, this is what they're doing. Like that confirms it. Those it's are the very examples bizarre. that you gave. You're talking about objects. And I think what's happening here is like Steve was alive. He's died. within the world of fantasy. He's gone to Just heaven. bring his he's body to a better place. So his soul couldn't come back to his body because his body was gone. And I mean, I don't know. Ask Peter Jenkins, Jeff Johns. They wrote the movie. Yeah, I will. <laughs> Send him a letter. Yeah. But that's how it happened. We were wondering, <laughs> you know, how it happened. The thing, so Max Lord, Maxwell Lord in the comics, he was a very different character. And up until a crossover in the 80s, I think it was Invasion, he was a good guy and he worked with the Justice League International as I think he financed them or was a human liaison, but he was a good guy. And years later, after the invasion crossover, he got these metahuman powers and he had the power to influence people and to make them do things against their wishes, like mind control. Right. That was his ability. And if he used them too much, his nose would bleed. There was a big crossover years later Wonder Woman murdered him by breaking his neck. Very Man of Steel, I know. <laughs> he was a very different character in the comics. In, instead of him having psychic powers, again, he's a human monkey paw. He's, he's become I mean, the dream Thematically, they've, they've drawn a bit from that, and that's, I guess, built this character here. I actually enjoy his character. I like his performance. I like what he's doing. Like Pedro Pascal is... I mean, he's, he's really become, I think he's becoming a household name. I think people, I think Mandalorian is in that Shark Boy and Lava Girl sequel on Netflix. We can be here. I watched it. I have either. I think I'm too old. Yeah. I might see if my kids want to see it. <laughs> yeah, that's your excuse. It. That's but, but think about it at the moment though, right? So Pedro Pascal, he's simultaneously on Netflix with We Can Be Heroes HBO Max with Wonder Woman 84 and Disney Plus with Mandalorian. He's doing okay. <laughs> he's, he's doing okay. He was brilliant in Kingsman, The Golden Circle. He was really good in that as well. Was he the... He was, he was the, the cowboy, cowboy guy. He was the cowboy. Wow. Yes. He was really good right. in that. He's a, he's a good actor. And he, he's good in this... But he is certainly, he's leaning into the 80s. And I was, le I was reading into it, like, you know, what were his inspirations for his performance? And one of the inspirations that he listed... Gene Hackman? No. 
I mean, no. I guess he's he's up there. But the one that I found really interesting, Nick Cage. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it just okay. Looks like, I mean, we know Nick Cage can go big with his performances, and that was um, one of the inspirations that he took for this part. And he, you know, he, he's big, he's cheesy, and you've it's you've got that whole Gordon Greco, greedy's good from Wall Street. That's here, very eighties. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's good. He's he's entertaining. Yeah, I definitely got the the Gene Hackman Lex Luthor from the Superman movies. You know, like okay, that's that's there. That yeah. suave businessman kind of thing, charming. You know, like he walks into a room and he's he's personable. Like you know, he's friendly to people. He gets people to like him. That wasn't sniveling. Yeah, that wasn't. Uh, he's got Hackman's, a scheme. He's got a plan. I know, but that, yeah, the scheme and the plan, but being you know, Hackman's Luther. Like he'd already been found out and he'd been ran underground. You know, even going back to Superman the movies. So oh no, yeah, true. Side of him. But you're right though. But still, when he was on screen, like when Hackman was on screen, it was, you know, like he, he at least portrayed. He, you know, he he himself, his character was like, I'm still going to be a, a nice, happy, friendly guy in the room, even though everyone thinks I'm a dick. Like, I mean, it's. So, I mean, it's certainly that you can you can see it. And yeah, Pedro Pascal, like it looks like he's having fun. Yeah, he's not there like twirling his evil mustache. He's he's there with a smile on his face, being like, "I'm gonna give you guys stuff. Like, I'm gonna help you, and you're gonna help me. Like, it's good." They definitely had a plan with these villains, didn't they? I mean, if you look at the first Wonder Woman movie, like the third act, like gets a bit problematic, and it's all big and swirly whirly and Aries and all of that. <laughs> But he's a bad guy, and we know he's a bad guy, and he just wants yeah. to, to be a bad guy. That's Ares. In this movie, we've got two villains. So you've got Max Lord, who... I mean, what are his motives, really? Like, he he wants to be... <laughs> what is it? What he is wants it? it's, to be rich, but then... It's good, but it could be better. <laughs> but then he gets to the point where he realises that he's making himself unwell, like he's dying, essentially. So then he's using people... He's taking, he's giving them their wish, but he's taking their health. So then, what's his goal? I just, it, it, I think his character's motivations just go off the rails a little bit. But what we're yeah. trying to get at is that it's all about being, you know, he's sacrificing everything to be the best, the most successful, and everything else, and rich. And then he's prioritizing his health. But then his character turns, and it's all about his son. So you've got a bad guy, but he's also got good intentions. And then we've got clumsy Barbara Minera, and she's she's a klutz. She's a you know, she's a Clark Kent type essentially. When we first meet Kristen, <laughs> she's Bush a in this she's movie. a. Let me let me do the list. There's Selena Kyle, Batman Returns. Yep, that's her. Uh, I mean, sort of the Riddler from Batman Forever. Yep, Jim Carrey, Electro, Spider Man, Amazing Spider Man Two. Like, man, like it's that. Yeah. So she ends up being. I don't know, she <laughs> ends up being. She's a bad person, but she's also good. She's got some good about her. That it's clear that when putting this movie together, they didn't just want one-dimensional villains. Yeah, there was a tonally, we, you know, we're really leaning into the eighties, but they wanted there to be more going on. Did that work for you? Start staying with Pedro for Pedro Pascal for a sec. Um, like I enjoyed what he was doing, but you're right. Like when, when it's 
but this goes into the whole the whole plot of the movie, not just his character, but just like all the magic and all that, you know, the magical storyline. It's it becomes messy and crazy, and I'm just like, hang on, what is like? Yeah, like is this too much? Is this too much? So it starts to fall apart there with um, Kristen Wiig's Barbara. I actually liked what she was doing. I've always said, I'm like, I can see Kristen Wiig's got a villain in her. And I think she actually did really well when she was on screen. She was, she was still in the show and I was really liking what she was doing. Um, I did actually like her character. When you get to, when you get to her turning into Cheetah though, although visually actually, you know, they did a pretty good job. She, she was, she just became something for Wonder Woman to fight physically. And that's all the character was used for. And then it was done. So I think with both these characters started off really good. I liked their overall performances, but then just what they did with the characters by the end of it was, I think they just dropped the ball. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm there. I'm there with you. Yeah. It, sure. <laughs> it was, it was, it was interest. What they were doing with the villains was interesting. They were building towards something and then, yeah, I just completely I disconnected from Max Law because like, what what are his motivations now? And then Cheetah, it was like I'm he like, just got lost in himself. He just, he just got he did, lost. He did. And Cheetah then like looks, the kid, kid was cute, but like I was like, I mean, you have to kind of fill in the blanks with their relationship. Uh, by the end of it, I was like, does he even really like this kid? <laughs> like the movie says that he does. I'm like, okay, yeah, it was just it was wasn't enough there. For that it was it wasn't in the moment was it like he he was prioritizing his legacy like his future like what he's going to leave for his son when he's gone and not the here and now and i guess that's what it was trying to say like yeah i mean i mean yeah let's all there yeah it's, i mean i don't know i think maybe if we would have seen scenes with his son and his ex and we got some more backstory there like i'm talking about making a longer long movie even longer but do you know what i mean like just some just some but when you when you have a movie this long and there are things that you're like maybe they should have addressed there should have been time there should have been time to do that in in something this long so but you know what i mean because we don't know because we know by the end that he chooses his son so we know that happens but we could have had a, a window into their relationship through what the mum was saying about him or oh your father's just dot 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 or you know your father always prioritizes this over you or just something that wasn't there yeah like i said we have to you have to fill in the gaps and even with um maxwell lord's like overall like backstory not just with him and his son but him as a child you get flashes at the very end of the movie quick flash and you're just like oh okay so that changes <laughs> his character so a little bit, and I'm like, a little it's... bit, yeah. Like he's, um, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, yeah. And in his final moments, you're like, oh, oh, he was, you know, abused as a kid and stuff. You know, his dad wasn't the best kind of bloke. All right, and so you again, like you get all this new information. You're like, how do I feel about this character now? And I'm like, oh, I don't it's know anymore. I just think it's too late. It's, I just, yeah, it's too it's... late, and there's there's too much light in this room, like <laughs> you know, beams of light, and you know. Movies ending with beams of light. Cheetah, though. At least it wasn't a... Visually, yeah. Cheetah looks just like she do does in the comics, for the most part, and good choice to have her mostly in shadow. 
that was good, you know, so they were able to make the effects, effects look better without it being daylight. But what happened there, though? Because she had her wish. She wanted to be, because her wish oh, was to be more like, <laughs> I have no idea. Be more like Diana. And she didn't yeah. realize what that actually meant. And that's where she's getting the strength from. And she just saw like an attractive woman, successful. I want to be like that. And she got all these added extras. But then she gets another wish given to her by Maxwell Lord. And she wishes to be an apex predator. The first of her kind. That's what she wants sure. to be. And then, oh, I don't know. <laughs> that just stops being the thing. Yeah, but no, I mean, why did she get... Why did she get a second wish? And we can't say, you can't say that Maxwell Lord was just like, well, I just want to give you a second wish because he actually went up to someone previously in the movie and was like, oh, have you already had your wish? Shit. And that was something he wanted. So if he had the choice to just give someone a second wish on his own accord, he could have done it. But the movie lays yes. out that you can't do that. It's like Maybe the movie has these be, rules yes. that, they, that they lay out and then they break them by the end of it. And you're just like, so that well, doesn't make sense. But it so gives us with it. a supervillain that that Wonder Woman. Yeah, punch. they need someone to for her to fight. The I armor guess. looks great. The armor of Asteria, and we hear about this character from years past. And the only thing that was left, because she was sent by the Amazons to fight, and she had this armor that was like handed to her by all the Amazons, or. It's the big gold armor, you got the wing. Yeah. And I like the fact that Wonder Woman was using it because she wasn't quite at her full strength. That worked well for me. I feel like the the, the armor and the backstory of uh, Asteria was sort of delivered to us quite late in the film. It almost seemed like it's like, oh, look, we need another we need a new costume for Wonder Woman. Let's introduce it's sort of, it's like they should have introduced it earlier or, you know, like that opening scene in Themyscira, why not have, you know, the Asteria plot line sort of laid out or, or something. I mean, or, they showed us the armor in the opening scenes and we'd seen it in oh, all I the posters did they? and the trailer. Yeah. It was at the beginning of the movie. You can't, you can't, rel- you can't just say, oh, look, we saw it in the, in the marketing. So it was, no, no, but I mean, no, but they, they opened the movie with it. Like it's there, it's, yeah, okay. part of, it's part of the games. So we got to see it and we did hear about it. And the marketing, I mean, I think because they had to delay it so many times and kept putting out new posters, <laughs> like I think this movie's got potentially more theatrical posters than any, any other movie. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so many. And like 20 different dates on the. I was, honestly, I was sharing them to social media. And at one point, it was every other day, you got a brand new theatrical poster or HBO Max poster for Wonder Woman. 84. But I think we all knew. We'd seen the armor. So it's in the opening. It's in all the trailers. And it's in the posters. So I felt that I'd seen it enough. And we all knew it was going to happen. And it looks good. And it's based on the Alex Ross design from the Kingdom Come series that he illustrated. Okay, yeah. It's lifted straight from that. It looks it looks great. Like the, the armor looks cool. She flies in. She's got the wings. And then you get the big cheetah battle, yeah. and, and the and the big satellite. Honestly, I'm I'm so annoyed with that satellite, and it's not necessarily because of the movie, but I'm very disappointed this year because every Christmas I like to get a bit of DC Comics Lego. None this year, okay. and the big thing that they put out was the satellite 
dish from this movie. <laughs> a Wonder Woman, Cheetah, Maxwell Lord. It's ridiculous. Well, at least you I really wanted some DC Lego, but I refused. It's ridiculous. The satellite. <laughs> so I'm annoyed with the satellite. But it does its thing, and then Wonder Woman, she's, like, she's reaching out, and then what Max Lord has said, something like, you know, why would I listen to you? You're not going to change your mind. Whatever he says, and she's like, I'm not talking to you. And that's when we find out that she's talking to the whole world. This is where this, all, the plot, all the plot holes in this movie sort of come to light. Um, in, 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 well, I think it starts with this, this whole satellite thing. And this is probably why you hate it so much. Like, again, the, the movie sets up the rule that with this, with this Dreamstone, is that what it's called, the Dreamstone? Yeah, with this Dreamstone, the person making the wish needs to be touching it whether it's the actual physical stone or when Maxwell Law becomes the stone, they need to be touching him. And then the president says, you know, like with these satellites, you could, you, you could essentially be touching the world. And it's very clear that he means that figuratively, but then it's, it's like that works. And then Wonder Woman can use that to talk to everyone as well. And everyone, another rule that they set up is that, everybody would have to renounce their wishes for everything to be undone. It can't just be Maxwell Lord undoes his wish and everything else automatically gets undone. He undoes his wish and then you see moments later that the president then has to undo his for the missiles to disappear. That oil lord guy has to undo his wish to, for the wall to disappear and stuff. Every single person on the planet would have to do it. I just cannot buy that every person who made a wish that billions of people that or millions or whatever it was that every single one of them undid their wish. Yeah. The movie makes no sense at this point and magic. I'm sitting there going, it's magic. You know what she, no, it's dumb. It's dumb. <laughs> what she's doing in that moment, right? She's inspiring people to do the right thing or to be better or whatever. She's inspiring. If 2020 people. taught us anything is that, half the planet are dumb. <laughs> and they, if you wish for a pet dinosaur and then some bitch is like, hey, the world is going to end unless you undo your wish. No. 10-year-old little Billy is not going to undo his wish for a pet dinosaur or this giant robot or for his mummy and daddy to come back to life because they were killed in crime alley. You know, like... First of all, don't call a woman <laughs> a bitch. And are you, little Billy... <laughs> Is that what you're talking about? I don't about? know. I don't know. Is it your dinosaur? You're not willing to give your dinosaur back. Well, okay. I'm just saying, it's like, if there's a 10-year-old boy who made a wish, do you think he's going to be listening to some person who he perceives as just some random woman? It's, it's very, it's so unrealistic. It's, what I wanted to say, and I want to draw a comparison here. So it's the moment of the movie where they want her to inspire Cast your mind back to that first movie when she inspires the soldiers, No Man's Land. That's like one of my favorite scenes, not just from that movie, yeah. but from movies of recent years. It is such an impactful scene. She's inspiring so a group of, of soldiers, you know, like what, like a handful. And a, well, what a, I'm a saying is, number. I like, know, but they. I've done it so well in that first movie. 
and for them to be doing that here but on a bigger scale yeah it's hokey it's not it's logical <laughs> it's just not like those people of all ages different mindsets like you know they're not in a group where camaraderie is already established and you know like they have one similar goal these are people across the planet different selfishnesses like it's it's dumb the movie lost me here <laughs> the plot is just silly and the resolution is silly listen if they just if it was just like maxwell lord undoes his wish and then everything's resolved and everyone forgets everything i would have been like been perfectly later, fine quicker but perfectly no, fine. nobody's watching nice. this film for logic but but i, I get it <laughs> even if it's a world of fantasy you do need rules. You and still need said, on many occasions to make this sense. Movie, it it breaks its own it breaks its own rules. We could talk about the mid credit scene because we've just literally talked about the end of the movie. <laughs> I knew that there was going to be one, but I had no idea what it was going to be, and one of the best scenes of the movie really was. <laughs> Did it actually get you? Wall. Did it actually get you that? Tickled. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. I was like, okay, but like, I was also like, whatever. Oh man, no, no, no. The the magic of that scene just worked on me. It was just. It, hey, it we got a win, so maybe I shouldn't complain. <laughs> we no, got a win. Is though, like, I just, I, no spoilers, no nothing. I didn't know it was going to happen, and when it did, it you just like perfect. Like an obvious <laughs> at the same time. Like, and you know, Linda Carter, she's popped up before. She was the president on Supergirl. And there was rumors that she was going to be in that first movie. It didn't happen. And then just hearing about this character, Asteria, and we saw her in flashbacks, but never her face. And for it to end up being Linda Carter, I thought was just absolutely phenomenal. And the scene where we see her from behind, she's got the blue cloak and the hood up. She catches the thing, saves the kid, the mum sees her, and yeah, she winks. And she's like, I've been doing this for a very long time. And it's, it's a really, it, it's a it's, very nice it's nod compliment to her, which is fantastic. It really is, because in that moment, she's Asteria, she's Wonder Woman, she's Linda Carter. She's those three people in that scene, <laughs> and I love it. I, I thought that was fantastic, honestly. Now we we know we know that Wonder Woman three, as you mentioned before, is confirmed. It's coming. Is this post well mid credits? Is this just a one and done, nice little nod? Uh, you know, like a celebration for Linda Carter, a, a big appreciation thing, and being like, this is an amazing character, all these things, you're her, you know, the parallels are there, like you said. Or is this like, hey, Asteria is going to feature as a character in Wonder Woman 3, her storyline isn't finished, we will see her again. What do you think? Is it a stinger for Wonder Woman 3? I don't think so. I'd like if we could see her again. Um, I think what we're seeing here is all we're going to see. But who knows? I mean, we, we could see more than that. We know Wonder Woman 3 will be set in the present day. That's been confirmed by the director. Maybe we'll see her again. Maybe, in fact, you know what? Maybe we'll see her in Flashpoint. They couldn't Ooh. even do it, you know. Like in the comics, they had it. So, I mean, Dinah Prince is Wonder Woman. But for a time, she couldn't carry on the mantle. So her mum took on the role of Wonder Woman. 
but during her time, she wasn't with the Justice League. It was before that, and she was with the Justice Society of America. And we know the JSA are going to get introduced yeah. in the Black Adam movie. So who knows? Like we could have Asteria as part of the JSA with them continuing oh, to do a shared continuity. But if only it ends up being this, though, I'd be satisfied. Yeah, me too. Me too. With those, um, actually mentioning that, like the the games in that opening scene on Themyscira, just to bring us all the way back to the beginning of the movie, it reminded me of this, uh, like this random story I had read on on uh, Wonder Woman once, where it was like they actually had these sort of games type things where the mantle of Wonder Woman, like Diana, would have to actually go back to Themyscira every couple of years or decades or something to basically prove that she can continue to be Wonder Woman and have that mantle. And there was this one storyline where she actually lost um, and someone else took over and then, you know, went to, you know, be the representative in man's world. Um, And then, yeah, there was like an offshoot storyline and stuff. I didn't continue on, but there was all that sort of happening. So that's what I thought like the, those games might've been, but I don't know. Yeah. It sounds familiar. They can't do that though. No, they're just bonkers. They're not doing that. That's, she needs to be Wonder Woman and have Wonder Woman's <laughs> powers. They've already depowered her or had her like, not as powerful in this movie. But yeah. present day, I don't know what they're going to do with that next film and what they're doing in general, that Flashpoint or the Flash movie, they're calling it again, is going to be a thing. Michael Keaton's in it as Batman. You've got Ben Affleck, Batman. Robert doing Pattinson, crazy Batman. stuff. Which just is outside make, of the DCEU. The, just make these single superhero movies. and They're doing just a lot. You know what I heard? Have them team though? up. That's it. That's all you got to do. What, what I heard they're looking at doing is each year, Warner's releasing four live-action DC movies. They're looking at two theatrical, which I'm assuming they'll stick with the simultaneous... HBO Max release for the bigger characters. Like they're always going to give an option to see Wonder Woman, Batman on the big screen. But they've been talking for a while now about Batgirl, Static Shock. Those characters could be HBO Max movies. That's what they're saying. Mm-hmm. So they're looking at putting out four movies, but two big budget, and then maybe mid. Um, not sure what the budget would be on those, but lesser. Okay, could be, could be interesting. I mean, the the theatrical HBO Max thing. I mean, this movie is is the start of that. I mean, that's it's a that's a much larger conversation, and and whether that continues or actually really actually happens, we'll see. You know, we we'll have to see how the pandemic unfolds and continues. It, yeah, it mutates and. <laughs> It's hard to know. I mean, it, obviously, it's the first DC one, but I, I think it's the third HBO Max. No, the fourth. I think it's the fourth. So HBO Max, they started with an American pickle with Seth Rogen. Then I, th- I can't remember which one came next. It was I, I think it was The Witches and then Super Intelligence with Melissa McCarthy. Then Wonder Woman 84. So I think it's the mm. fourth one that they've done. And all those movies got a theatrical release here in Australia. But yeah. for the most part, in the US, 
Yeah, this is the first streaming. one that's had where, um, yeah, if theaters are open in, in some place in the US, Wonder Woman was out. It was crazy. So, yeah, very different. Times are changing, but are they, is it temporary or is it permanent? We'll have to find out. 2021, 2022, let's see what happens, eh? <laughs> let's see what happens because studios keep announcing projects and if everything stays where it's set for this year, we're going to have a big time in the movies. Just hope we can go because otherwise they're going to get pushed <laughs> to next year or we're going to watch them streaming. But okay, this movie, if you're going to rate it out of five. I mean, to quote Maxwell Lord, it's good, but it could be better. <laughs> oh, I want to say that. Look, I, I did have fun watching it, um, but I mean, you said it, man, like, looking back at it, it's just like, it's full of plot holes. Um, pacing is a bit, is a bit off. There's, um, bringing Steve Trevor back, I think, even though for some reason he is the heart of the movies of these movies. I, I just didn't think he needed to be in this movie at all. Pluck him out. Get the same movie. Just didn't need him. Look, it was fun, but you know, like the jarring plot holes in it, it, it very silly, fun, but silly three out of five had a good time, but room for improvement, room for improvement, not a shit fire. Just not great. <laughs> if I'm going to take something from that, Fun, but silly. Like <laughs> but silly. That's Put on the poster. This movie. I, um, <laughs> I strongly disagree about being able to just remove C. Trevor and having the same movie. I know it was a character beat for Diana. like She was feeling that loss. But I've, that slowed the, the movie down for me. And I get it, you needed to have that because that's, that's the drama. That's what a character is going through. But I felt as though as soon as Chris Pine was on screen, the movie just came alive again. It was great in this. And it was, it did need to be there. I mean, it's weird how it came about. We've talked about that. But you can't do it again, though. He's died twice. Oh, yeah. No. He's gone. We didn't, we didn't properly talk about the invisible jet. I know. I was bringing this back around to it. Very I good. I like <laughs> how, how they did it because the invisible jet, because this is the thing we've, Themyscira, the Amazons, like they've got advanced technology. So they just created an invisible jet. It's a thing that they had and Diana used it. But in this, it's like this is an ability that Zeus used to cloak the island. And, mm. and she did it on the jet. Like it was a when, jet she made invisible. When that scene was sort of building to that, you know, they're in the jet, they're talking about the radar, you know, they're talking about, you know, trying to be unseen essentially talking about becoming invisible. I was like, oh, this would be a perfect time to make a joke about, wouldn't it be cool or like, it'd be good if we could just turn the jet invisible or something. I was like, oh, they're going to make a joke. And then shit. Yeah. I she just turns it. the jet invisible yeah. and I'm sitting there like, I loved it. Well, they did that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, and you know what? One she just has an invisible jet. And she's not going to carry Steve. She's going to fly him in a jet if she's got the option. And plus, she you know didn't what? have the same power set. Invisible jet. I changed my rating 3.5. <laughs> I, I love the jet. <laughs> the, the jet is, is fantastic. But what got me, though, is I'd seen that screenshot of them in the invisible jet so many times. It's the 4th of July, Independence Day. There's the fireworks, oh, the fireworks. going off. Right. But the, 
And Great the scene. thing is, though, we'd seen the picture, and I just thought that was like the, the top of the plane, and it was the window of the cockpit. Yeah, yeah. We'd all seen that image. I thought nothing of it. I thought nothing. I of didn't it. either, and I'm glad I didn't look at that image. Hang on a minute, because that was hey. a great reveal. The invisible jet. It could have been. Linda Carr. It could have. Could have been on a Ferris wheel for all we know. <laughs> like you didn't know they were in a jet, but then we did, and and it was <laughs> fantastic. And you know what? I was thinking that I was looking forward to this movie, and it's really hard, like, not to get you know build up expectations and get too excited for something. And we had to wait longer than we would have had to have waited for this movie, which has nothing to do with the film. It was out of their control. But I really wanted something from this movie. I wanted to enjoy it. And there's a lot to like. We, plot holes are a big issue. The length, and I do want to see it again. And I will watch it again. And I was, like you, thinking three out of five, but, which is crazy because I love that first movie. But you're right. Invisible Jet. 3.5. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm legit changing mine to 3.5. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I, again, I, there's, there's things like that that are just... I came into just, this like, yeah, no, I'm you, just remembering the good times I had with this movie. And I you've, think um, you've made it I better for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. As always, we like to close out on some trivia. And I accidentally said it earlier. No. And it was the comparisons with Maxwell Lord in the comics. I guess all I can really add to that, I mentioned it was a crossover event, invasion. I can give you the year if you're interested. It was released <laughs> from 1988 to 1989. So that was that's a time the, in the comics. <laughs> it has to be, it was, it was more than that, but that's what it is now. In the comics, he was a good guy. He was a businessman and he worked with the JLI. And then, yeah, the invasion happened. And he became a bit of a baddie. And that's what we get. A version right. in this film. Well, that's it for our review of Wonder Woman 1984. Please go subscribe and download this podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We're on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as that films your podcast. And we also have our companion shows, Rewind and Review and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. All our episodes can be found on our website, thatfilmstewpodcast.com. Keep an eye out for our next review, Disney Pixar's Soul. You've been listening to Luke and Jason, the guys from That Film Stew. See you soon. Bye.